Welcome back to another episode of the Big DK Energy Podcast. My name is Danny K, or the DK and the Big DK Energy, and I am just about to leave uh, what I consider one of my hometowns of Boca Raton, Florida, after visiting my family and watching my alma mater UCF beat the FAU Owls. And speaking of my alma mater UCF, the guest in front of me today is one of the premier non-UCF affiliated football sources on Instagram. And I've been waiting for this interview for a long time. I'm so excited for it. So we're just going to talk UCF football and just life in general. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming today's guest, Mr. UCF Football Updates himself, Mr. Alan Levin. Hey, man. Happy to be here. Appreciate you coming by. And I'm, I'm excited for this interview as well. Oh, dude, you do not know how pumped I am for this. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm yeah, pumped. Yeah, I've been following you since the page started back in 2016. Yeah, it's uh, been going on now for, wow, like six years. I started it right before Frost first season and had plans to get it pretty big, but I've really kind of expanded since then and made it uh, bigger than I imagined originally. That's right. Now you're getting paid subscribers. Yeah, I have a Substack account where I write a couple articles a week and have some, over the years, I've been able to kind of get some sources and been able to give some good intel. So figured uh, maybe I could charge a little bit for that. Sources? Hmm? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The sources. Uh, yeah, I know a couple players on the team and just a couple people that are affiliated with the team as well that have uh, give me some good info. That's the best place to get it. You know what I mean? Better to get it from like, you know, the Orlando Sentinel or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of other, you know, reporters out there and people that are close to the team, but I like to source things myself. I mean, because then it's my information to choose what I do with it instead of, you know, getting from the Sentinel or something like that where it's not really mine. Correct, because, you know, well, I guess we have a little bit of a bias because we love UCF football. So. Oh, yeah, we exactly. I, You know, my page, I really try to be as unbiased. I mean, I, I have my moments where I'm biased and I try to usually have a positive outlook, but I try to stay level-headed, whether it's after a loss, after a win, depending on who we play, whether it's home or away. And I've, that's, I think, why people enjoy the content because I'm pretty honest and pretty fair, pretty level-headed. Well, that's all that's needed because it seems like so many things are polarized. But um, one thing that isn't polarized is our love for UCF football, which, by the way, when did you start? at UCF? So I started in 2007. Uh, first game was the first ever on-campus stadium game against Texas. So oh, that was cool. Oh, you were there for that game. I was. That was my first ever game in my freshman year was against Texas. Cool experience. And you stayed for the entire thing, right? I did. You know, there was funny. There was a lot of people leaving because of heat exhaustion. They didn't have water fountains in the stadium in the game one, and they realized how big a mistake it was. By game two, they had them there. But yeah, I was there for the whole game. Man, that that's a, like a health hazard. You know what I mean? it, it, it was. Yeah, they, they admitted it. So. <laughs> well, that's good that they can at least admit that. And as much as we love UCF football, I'm pretty sure I remember that was a loss. It was, yeah. It was a close loss, though. That's um, a thing, though. Yeah, you're right. It was close. So it's not like, oh, UCF lost. They put up a good fight. Yeah, we gave them all we could handle. I mean, at that time, Texas was when they were Texas. They had Colt McCoy, a quarterback, and they were number five team in the country. So I think we lost by a touchdown, and we were in the game until the end of the fourth. So, you know, you can't ask for more, especially at that time when UCF wasn't how we know them there, how they are today. Colt McCoy, the ultimate journeyman quarterback besides Brian Fitzpatrick. Uh, that's true. But really good in college. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all right because you're right. People didn't know us back then. In fact, I remember seeing the article of like UCF's first ever game as UCF. And like it was like St. Leo's or something like that. Yeah. And it wasn't even played on a stadium. It was like a soccer field and everything was all wet and people were just splashing <laughs> around and whatnot. I mean, the amount that UCF has grown, even just from when I was in school, but I mean, you bring it back to that day, like you said, I mean, it's unbelievable the, the progress and the uh, amount that we've grown as a school and as a program. Absolutely. So I came into UCF in 2013, the year that Blake Bortles got drafted. Great year. It was. And then um, literally we went undefeated except for the one game versus the Gamecocks. Yep. Yeah, that was yeah, that was an awesome year. I mean, that was probably the second best year in school history. I'll, I'll never forget that year. That was what really kind of put us on the map, I think, nationally. Oh, absolutely. Especially since we won the Fiesta Bowl against Baylor. Oh, yeah. we That was, you know, I'll never forget. I think we were a 17-point underdog and pretty much every ESPN analyst like, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk. I mean, Baylor at that time was averaging like something ridiculous, like 60 points a game. They had a couple games. They put up like 77, 75. So uh, it was a high-scoring game against them, but we beat them uh, pretty handily. I mean, we had the lead from start to finish. Correct, yeah. I, you know, whenever it was tied, I was, my heart was starting to go and mm -hmm. I, actually I was on a cruise ship so like there was one other person with UCF gear on so I'm like okay I'm not the only one because when they showed the Rose Bowl that year there were a bunch of plenty of uh, Spartan fans but it's so cool to finally see us getting the recognition that we deserve it is I mean you know I think the last the 17 18 we were very noisy as a fan base um, <laughs> and it put us on the map but uh, the last few years has been not as good as those years but I think everyone knows who UCF is now exactly and especially since we're kind of making other headlines with our new 
new slogan, the future of college football. Yeah, that that's putting us up there. I mean, and the fact that we're going to the Big 12. I mean, we're in a power five. That's what everyone insulted us for for a number of years and can't say that any longer. The day I found that out, my heart just leaped. How did you feel about when that happened? Oh, it was great because, you know, it was actually the second time this happened because I don't know if you recall, but when I was in school, we got invited to the Big East. And at that time, the Big East was a power conference. Oh, wait, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so we got invited to the Big East as a power conference. It had Pittsburgh. It had, you know, a bunch of power teams in there. And basically, the the, the rumor is that USF, because they were in the Big East at the time, they made the deal collapse. And ultimately, that's why the American formed. So we were this close to being a power conference, but now it's official that we are going to a power conference. Okay, that's good. And we kind of, or at least, you know, us, Cincy, we made the American a pa- sort of a power conference. Yeah, I think the whole Power Six slogan was fair to say. I mean, you look at it, I think four out of the last six um, New York Six Bowls are from American teams. You had Cincy, who went to an actual college football playoff, the first G5 school to do that. It should have been us. Well, it should have been us. Absolutely. We uh, walked so they could run. <laughs> you know, but yeah, Cincy, Houston, UCF, SMU, Memphis, there's some real good talent and real good teams in the American. Besides Cincy, Memphis would always give me anxiety. It would, but you know, our, our all-time record against them is like uh, 13 and 2. So Okay, got it. But during that 2017-2018 campaign, the undefeated season, oh, yeah. just, you know, both of those games, especially the uh, American Athletic Conference Championship game. Yeah, two years in a row. Nail-bitingly close games. UCF had to come back, and 18 had to come back from, I think, a 17-point uh, halftime deficit. So, uh, yeah, there's always nail-biters with Memphis. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, Cincy as of late. I mean, during that 2017-2018 campaign, it seemed like we were just running over people. But then once we got past the hype of, oh, you know, we're going to stay undefeated forever, then it's like, mm-hmm, nope. Yeah, I, you know, it, that 25-0 and run was was miraculous. It was amazing. It was amazing to witness. I don't know if we'll ever see it again, and that's not even an insult. It's so hard just to go undefeated in one season. I mean, even Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they don't do that every year. They lose a game, even if it's the conference championship. So for us to do two undefeated seasons in a row, at least regular season in 18, was just amazing. Even with the lack of strength of schedule, that's still a difficult feat to do. Right. I mean, if it was so easy, wouldn't. Uh, other group of five schools do it or just in general if Alabama any of these schools I mean if they're so talented they should be doing it every year no it's it's very difficult to do and we played some good schools those years I mean beating Auburn Memphis Cincinnati a lot of those schools were really good and as you could see from this last past draft I mean you know of course we had some of our players go but then mm-hmm. you know you see the amount of people from Cincy for example that went on because they had like a year that we had in 2017-2018 yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because how I always judge a team a college team is how many pros do they have that to me shows talent because when you have these power five fans that would insult us and be like you play cupcakes you play cupcakes well we have nfl talent and that's to me what shows if you are truly legit if you can have produced guys that are in the nfl then those guys can compete against other college players and we've had quite a few pros over the last five six years especially as of recently i mean um one of the best wide receivers right now is gabe davis yeah uh, he's great he's out tonight i know but uh yeah i mean he could be i think a top 10 receiver in this league he's getting close to it already and it's it's really he's he's ucs best pro right now no doubt and also for the fact that he's lined up on the other side of Stefan Diggs. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, the fact that they're uh, they're probably one of the best duos in the league, I would say. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Gabe Davis uh, scored the first touchdown for this year. He did his first touchdown of the 2022 season following up from his uh, four-touchdown performance in the playoffs last year. Oh, my God. I can't believe I sort of forgot about that. So thanks for bringing that back up. But um, who were some of the biggest players when you first entered school during that Texas season? Sure. So uh, none bigger than Kevin Smith. I forgot, but Mr. 2000 or something like that? Uh, 24K. That's what it was. Yeah, so he was, I mean, not only is he was the best player in my era, he's one of the best players in UCF history, I would say on the Mount Rushmore easily in my opinion he was like 100 yards away from breaking Barry Sanders college rushing record that's right and Barry Sanders is one of the best to ever do it but now that you mentioned it who is on your Mount Rushmore yeah that's a good question um, I would say Dante Culpepper I didn't see him Easily. play but you, you have to uh, Mackenzie Milton obviously the amount of impact he had I think is unprecedented I would say Kevin Smith and then I would say Blake Bortles if we're going to do four I think those are the top four players I mean I think you always got to go, kind of go offensive that's just how you know I think people think and quarterback is the most important position on the field so those three guys and then Kevin Smith that year I mean talk about carrying a team I and mean, that's what he did he carried us to 10 wins literally carried yeah, literally so those are my top four what about you I'd say those would be my top four as well I mean you can't argue against the numbers I mean Milton it seemed like every time that guy touched the ball we would like do something well with it every time he threw I had like a gut feeling oh this is gonna be completion next thing you know what it was yeah he was a magician I mean he just exploded from his freshman year to his sophomore year was one of the biggest jumps I've ever seen probably of any player in UCF history. Exactly, especially since there's a lot of hype around like Pete Novo and like people <laughs> like him. Yeah, we you know, UCF people don't remember we didn't really start getting 
good quarterbacks, honestly, obviously at Culpepper, but until really 2013 Bortles, then we had a string of great quarterbacks. Before that, my era, there wasn't, there's some okay quarterbacks, but no one that was really that good. Actually, now that I remember it, what do you think about Justin Holman? You know, I liked Holman. I thought he was a good athlete. Um, he had a hell of a spiral. He threw it, sometimes threw it too hard, uh, went too close. He was good. I just, I don't think he was ever the best pocket player, but he, the, he had an arm. He almost brought us back against Penn State in, in uh, Ireland that one game. He was good. He just wasn't, I don't think he was elite though. There we go. I mean, that's a good way of putting it. And also Jeff Godfrey, wasn't he a quarterback too? Absolutely. And I will, I was going to say, I actually, he definitely, I would include him in one of UCF's upper echelon quarterbacks, no doubt. I mean, that his freshman campaign, he was at that time, one of the best athletes I had seen in UCF history. We had never, he came out of Miami, was a four-star recruit, could have gone to Miami, Florida State, Florida, had all those offers. And what he did that freshman year was good. He started to tail off when defenses started to understand what he was doing, but then he turned into a very capable wide receiver for UCF. So his career is very good. Including one of the most infamous catches in UCF history, the one versus Louisville. Yeah. Iconic game-winning catch. I'll, I think everyone will always remember that. I mean, I, I would put him, he's one of the upper echelon players in UCF history. Without a doubt. And I don't know, but I was a stupid freshman and I didn't go out anywhere for that game, but I just remember seeing everyone snap of just everywhere erupting in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, that was probably our biggest win in school history at that time. So Wasn't that when Lamar Jackson was on? Or was it was like, Teddy Bridgewater. That's what it, oh my god, that's right. Also, a very great quarterback in college. Oh yeah, and, and remember, Louisville was number eight team in the country at the time, and they were undefeated at the time, so it was a huge win for UCF and it was on the road it's one of the biggest upsets we've ever had nothing wrong with a good upset I mean that's the beauty about college football so my question is of course a lot of people complain about him but he is kind of the guy that brought us on the map what did you think of George O'Leary you know George O'Leary was my coach when I was in school yeah I I, I think that statue that he has out there I think it's uh, deserved he was instrumental in getting the uh, on-campus stadium, which is a game changer for a program. He was a hard-nosed defensive guy, liked big running backs, and he got criticized a lot for some of his decisions. But I think ultimately he was the guy that we needed and we had him for 10 plus years. And now you see coaches that are leaving after a year, two years, three years. We needed that stability at the time. So I give him credit for being what we needed at the time. Not anymore, but back then I think we did need him. And I like the fact you brought up like big running backs because I remember uh, Storm Johnson and uh, William Stanback. Oh yeah. And uh, I I forgot which game it was, but Stanback literally just trucked someone as they were trying to like go in for like a really hard end and then just pancaked him. Yeah, it was against uh, Rutgers, I believe. Yeah, that, that was it. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I remember the play caller said that should be targeting on Standback. Like, <laughs> so it was funny. I, like, I was a freshman, poor guy. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine like getting one of those hits and being like, I don't know if this is for me anymore. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, even the people that like go to like the pro day and like still go through like the NFL, they just got to go through more wear and tear on their body. Yeah, yeah football a, is a very violent sport. It's not cut out for everyone. I think though today, you know, with sports science, you can, you know, try to at least stay as healthy as possible and recovery is um, important. And you know, these guys are spending money on their body and, and they're more aware of how to take care of it. And then also with NIL deals, I feel like they have more money in order to, you know, make sure that the programs are, or, you know, that they can access all that stuff. But especially since UCF has been super upgrading their um, athletics department. Yeah. Oh yeah. The athletic, I mean, the athletic village that we have, the donations we're getting are just a lot bigger now. The on-campus facilities are actually beautiful. I mean, I, I think, you know, does it maybe compare to like an Alabama or Georgia? Maybe not, but I think it's very impressive. And I think a lot of guys would see it. And I think we have one of the top just on-campus student life, student athletic centers in, in the country. I would believe so too because I was watching Last Chance U on Netflix okay. and so I remember seeing one of the schools um, which was some community college in Independence, Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's really funny when they're trying to recruit players and they're like, no, we have a shopping mall and <laughs> I'm like, Oh boy, man. Props to these guys. They're trying to convince people to go to someplace out in the middle of nowhere. Well, they get the guys because it literally is their last chance. You know, they got kicked off the Florida States or the big schools of the world and they, they kind of have no choice. But yeah, I agreed. I don't think any typical player would want to go there if they don't have to. <laughs> Correct. But yeah, like Orlando has so much to offer. You know, they've got plenty to do more than just the parks. They have plenty of stuff for young adults to do. It's a, a metropolitan area. You know, it's not like oh no, the target is, you know, 50 miles away, you know, on the one dirt road kind of thing. Right. And UCF actually uses that in their, in their pitches for players that, uh, you know, you're in this big city, there's a lot to do. Maybe it's not the typical college town, like a Gainesville or a Tallahassee, but um, I think, you know, we can use that in our recruiting and not, not only for that, for NIL now, I mean, there's all these businesses, right? I mean, Orlando is a big city with a lot of businesses. So I think there's a good pitch for, for players. Even though it's not UCF, I loved how that one football recruit, the coldest, oh, um, the got, air conditioner. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. 
that was it's a match made in heaven it's perfect i mean that that was his name lined up perfect with that deal for real but uh, speaking of nil deals <laughs> i know this is probably not something speaking of good quarterbacks as well when dylan gabriel wanted to transfer to oklahoma how did you feel about that you know the the fan base was pretty uh upset about uh you know they use a lot of reasons like he was still selling his ucf socks uh, up until the last day you know what my opinion, how I look at Dylan Gabriel, I don't know what went on behind closed doors. I don't know if he left and it was rude or whatever, any of that. Who knows what happens behind closed doors. My thing is, I think that any time a really good player leaves, regardless of the sport, regardless of the team, the fan base gets hurt. It's like when LeBron left Cleveland or when I'm a big Heat fan, when he left the Heat, you're just naturally mad, but it's purely because of their talent level. I mean, if this was the third string quarterback, would anyone really care? It's Maybe he didn't do it in the best way. So yeah, I was upset because we were losing a top 10 quarterback in the country who's now at a top five school in the country so clearly if he can play at Oklahoma uh, he can play anywhere so it, it was tough losing him I don't I didn't really feel ill will to him personally I mean look I don't know the guy but yeah did it suck losing him 100% so I kind of have a dumb question how do you think he stacked up against Milton you know a lot of people bring that up uh, the biggest thing that Dylan Gabriel didn't have was the team success his best win was maybe what a bowl win over Marshall maybe he he never beat Cincinnati in his tenure here um, he never made it to a conference championship game he never went to a big bowl game was that his fault I don't know maybe the team around him could have been better talent wise I think he stacks up fairly close to Milton but no I think Milton is just the overall more complete player pre-injury god that injury was horrific yeah god, actually dark days <laughs> it, and it just made it so much tougher because of how just he just seems like a great guy everyone just loves him like from a like his personality he just seems like a great role model when you combine that with his talent and what he did for UCF on the field it, it was just it was just devastating so I, DG can't stack up to that I mean people will debate me on this but I think talent wise DG was a top five quarterback in UCF history but nothing will ever top McKenzie you know? of course and I don't know if I didn't see it though but it seemed like Dylan didn't really run either yeah he, he you know he wasn't he didn't use his legs too much he started to towards the end of his UCF career but no he wasn't as dual threat as McKenzie was but although I don't know if you watched the Oklahoma the game last weekend against Nebraska, Dylan Gabriel ran for like a 64-yard touchdown. Really? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's quick, but he's not like, yeah, I wouldn't consider him like the, the prototypical dual threat guy. But um, yeah, he didn't really use his legs as much with us. Got it. So another, actually one of my favorite players who unfortunately transferred was Cam Good. How did you feel when he left? I was honestly really shocked because he was uh, heavily rotated. And, you know, you think a lot of times when a player leaves, it's either because of lack of playing time or I guess in this day and age, maybe they got a really big NIL deal or whatever. Maybe they just didn't get along with the coach. Maybe. That's a huge possibility. So that was my opinion that he probably wasn't getting along with the defensive staff. Obviously, he wasn't recruited by Malzahn's uh, team. I was upset that he left because he was a big part of the defensive line. It wasn't as big as, you know, maybe like a Traymond Morris Brash or something. But yeah, it was, it was a big loss, but he went to Michigan. So that was impressive. If anyone has the level of talent for that, it's him. Yeah, he's a huge guy. The guy's clearly power five material. So it was a tough loss. Yeah, and I've met him in person. Those guys are big boys. I bet, you know, I've, I've been around some of them too. And it's like, wow, it's crazy to see. You've definitely had some players on the show. I've, I took a look at your resume and I even saw that Milton was on there too. Yeah, that was a that was kind of a banner moment for me for the UCF football updates thing that I've been doing now for six years. Um, yeah, I got an opportunity to, to interview Milton on the podcast really big moment for me but yeah i've had milton and a bunch of former players some guys from the nfl like uh jordan franks who's on the kansas city chiefs then just you know mac Loudermilk. i mean a bunch of former players so i think probably like this point probably 10 to 15 players. that's pretty awesome and i also saw that you got terrence Plummer on there too he was awesome he was really cool he actually is uh does the, the intro for my show he's one of the guys that says you're tuned into the ucf football I, I see that and then mac Loudermilk was also one of those people i actually yep. interviewed uh mac Loudermilk. oh yeah he's a good interview right he, he's a great interviewer yeah absolutely and, um, you know, he's all, he's very fun. Now that he's a daddy, he talks about how he's very proud of that. In fact, um, I did I saved his episode specifically so that it's number 48. Oh, that's Premier's number? Okay. Of course, you yeah. know. So how do you go about contacting these players to be on the podcast? Yeah, so before I had the video podcast, I and I, this is how I, I contact them just via DM on Instagram. And I used to just basically send them five questions in literally in Instagram's DM. They'd send the answers back if they were down for it and then I would just literally copy and paste those and with a picture but then I was like all right I'm gonna turn this into a video and my first ever interview was Kyle Israel former UCF quarterback in 07 my first quarterback there but yeah I just honestly I just DM and at 
this point, a lot of players do follow me. Uh, I would say, I, I don't know how the number, but it's probably close to 50 or 60 players, former or current, that follow me. I just DM them and they usually say yes. And it's pretty easy. <laughs> that's, that's pretty sick though. I mean, especially since like, you know, some people are like, let's get our jersey signed by the football players because we love them. But then it's just like, oh, what's up, man? Yo, what up, Alan? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they follow me. They're supportive. I think they're a fan of the account. And I think a lot of guys, especially if they're maybe not playing anymore, they miss their UCF days as we all do. So they want to talk about it. And it's a good outlet. Um, have a good platform for them to speak about UCF football. I mean, it's a fun conversation just like right now. Definitely. And we'll get into it eventually, which is the bonus question round. When I asked Mac Loudermilk, you know, what were some of his favorite material possessions? He showed me like all of his like space jerseys. And I thought, damn, that is so sick. It wasn't his uh, beard and hair? Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. That's, you know, two of his key characteristics. Right. That's actually the first question I asked him was about that on the <laughs> podcast. It's like, dang, if you were back in school, you would have had like an NIL deal for like head and shoulders or something 100%. like that. 100%. Maybe some beard oil company or something like right. that. I don't know. I can't think of any UCF affiliated people who do that kind of stuff, but you know. But if it was anyone, it would have been him. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm trying to think. Mm, yeah, no one else had really much of a profile like him because even though he was just punter, like, you know, the placeholder. Both, yeah, he's punter and placeholder, yeah. Yeah, and so it just seems like, you know, those players are usually never really spoken about. But then mm -hmm. him, he knew how to, like, make himself present. He was a character, I think, between the hair and the uh, and the beard, but also was his uh, the celebrations with him and Matthew Wright. And he just, yeah, he was, I mean, he was also, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was a well-known player. I mean, he was also one of the better punters in the country at the time. So um, he definitely got some good notoriety. Yeah, we've been getting like plenty of, you know, All-American Conference first teams and second teams. So I just, that kind of just speaks to the testament to how far the program has come, like you said. Yeah, it really does. I mean, the level of talent they're recruiting, especially under Gus now is next level. But it's been better now for about five or six years. I mean, you see these guys that are going to the pros. And yeah, I mean, every year we usually have at least top three of most amount of all conference players. So my question is, when it came to Hypel, it seemed like he didn't recruit in state, if I'm correct. That was the big, big rip on him. Yeah, especially his later kind of part of his tenure. He got guys, two guys from Germany. Uh, I don't, I don't think. I think he should be recruiting in the country and, and especially talent-rich state like Florida. But yeah, he was going North Carolina, a bunch of states, and now Gus is bringing it back to Florida, and that's that's where you get your talent. Correct, and especially you know one thing that I've realized about most of the football players that I've met, they're mama's boys, and some of the best talent in the country is in our backyard it's in our backyard i mean not only just our backyard how about literally down the street in orlando right we don't even have to go to south florida or Tampa. Florida. So, yeah it's it's all in central florida there's a ton of talent there and that's what gus is doing with this whole hometown hero campaign it's working really well i love and i still don't have one uh, it's a a card geek house saying UCF is Orlando's hometown team. Yeah. Oh yeah, I need one of those, right? Yeah, I just feel like those things sold out like hotcakes. It was genius marketing ploy and uh, and it's working really well and, and we need those guys. We want them to stay home because some of the best high schools in the country, football-wise, are in Orlando. Apopka, Boone, Lakeland, a bunch of those schools. I just love it when I just see those names and I'm like, wait a minute, that's like 30 minutes away from here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're choosing to stay home, which is great. Hey, that works out for us because I'd rather have them stay here than go play in Nebraska. Yeah, taking a shot at frost right exactly yeah take that shot at frost yeah no we, we got to keep them here i mean and and you're seeing it now i think there's we have four four stars in the 2023 class and they're all from orlando that's right and then um our new kicker colton boomer isn't he from the orlando area as well yeah i believe he is from the orlando area and he got in last game went two for two we, we needed that we needed a boost in the special teams and he provided it yeah obarski thank you for all you did now <laughs> stay where you are yeah, it's tough to insult. You know, I know these guys are, you know, 19, 20 years old, but look, at the end of the day, you have a job to do, and he wasn't getting it done for us. I mean, he missed both of his field goal attempts this season. They were both under 40 yards. He just wasn't reliable, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm glad we picked up Boomer because it seems like special teams is somewhere that we're kind of, eh. We're okay. shaky. We're a little shaky. So to see him go two for two, hit a 41-yard field goal, that was presumably have a reliable kicker. Correct. Going forward, and so therefore we could actually breathe on any kind of extra point attempts or just a field goal in general. Exactly. So... Being a UCF fan, what are some things the program could improve on going ahead in the future? Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, I do think that they need to continue to improve their, their recruiting. There, there's no question about that. I mean, the recruiting's been good, but it's 
been like maybe one year of this. I mean, we're going to the Big 12. We really have to up that. I do think we're going to have to eventually, as beautiful as the facilities are, I think we're going to have to you know, add a little bit more spice to them. There's a, a lot of things. And I, I think the biggest thing we're going to have to improve is actually our NIL because as great as UCF is, as great as going to the Big 12 is, you're seeing some of these deals. Some of these guys are getting tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we have to have a collective, which, which UCF is forming and they do have, but I think we're going to have to have, make sure that the local businesses get involved because if you don't have NIL opportunities, I think we're going to be left behind. A hundred percent, especially since there are some pretty big businesses that were started by UCF alumni. Um, for example, one being... Tijuana Flats. <laughs> That's exactly it. I was thinking it's a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Tijuana Flats. Yeah, that was totally UCF alumni. And then... um. I think not just, but they got a deal on Shark Tank. It was like, not not Hummus House, but it was like two guys in the Sigma Pi fraternity. They started like a hummus business and they okay. got a deal from one of the sharks. So maybe that could be like another company to do that. Or like um, Rock'em, Rock'em Socks. Yeah. Is Rock'em Socks from Orlando? I think they, they do have some sort of affiliation with either Orlando or UCF. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I, they do. I, I totally see where you're coming from because that's where I'm trying to collect my thoughts in, on that. But you're right. We do have to have some more opportunities. I mean, of course, in Gainesville, there's not really much there except for the gate. But, you know, because the Gators is such a stored franchise, they're able to get a little bit more of that moolah. But I feel like that's because of alumni donations. It is definitely, yeah. It's alumni donations, and they're going to be the ones that are funding these NIL opportunities. And I don't know how shady of NIL is, but all I know is that we got to get that participation because that's going to ultimately get us these recruits that we want. And it, look, college football is in a new era now with the transfer portal, with this, with NIL. So to keep up, I think that's probably one of the biggest things we need to invest in. Speaking of the transfer portal, I know we were talking about how Dylan Gabriel when he left that kind of left a huge hole in a lot of our hearts yeah who were three of your favorite players who actually transferred out of UCF? transferred out of UCF well I mean you got to say Mackenzie Milton right I mean obviously he transferred for other reasons correct but I mean it, it still counts right I was a pretty big fan of Jalen Robinson so him I was really surprised when he left so him to leave to Ole Miss SEC school I, I was pretty upset about that and the transfer is really leaving UCF more so kind of just started or really any school in general because you know you just have to sit out a year so I'm trying to think back in my era not too many guys really left the program so then I, I was I love Tatum Bethune I mean he would transfer to FSU so I mean those are I know that all happened last year but those were kind of three of my like big ones or Mackenzie wasn't last year but the other two were so those were kind of big ones for me I'm trying to think of some other guys that left but the, most of it happened the last couple of years got it so that being said who are some of your favorite players that came into the program yeah no that, that's a great question well I'm loving Javon Baker from Alabama oh, yeah. uh, He's doing amazing. He's absolutely crushing it. Um, that's been really cool to see. Back actually in, in way back in my day, there was a quarterback named Brett Hodges. Hmm. He transferred from Wake Forest and he had to sit out. Of, oh no, I'm sorry. He was a grad transfer, so he didn't have to sit out. He had a really good one-year run at UCF. It was 09. I think we went like 9 and three or eight and four and uh he was pretty instrumental I, I actually liked that was a really good transfer for us i mean there's been so many in the last couple of years too uh i mean i know cam good left but he transferred in i liked him i mean jalen robinson he transferred over from oklahoma i'm loving rj harvey who came over from virginia um so we've had quite a few transfers recently and i, mean, I could probably go on and on kamari gamble from florida i was like just him. about to say him yeah i like him i like jake hescock who came over from wisconsin he was a tight end for us for a couple of years wait he went to wisconsin I didn't yeah know. He was, yeah, he was a Wisconsin guy. So he, he came in from there. Heupel brought in quite a few transfers and uh, as has Gus has brought in. And Bowser has been, I mean, that's been a fun transfer to see as well. That's right. From all the way from Northwestern. Yep. Which is like, Northwestern's in Chicago? Yeah, it's in Chicago. Okay. So Chicago finally has a school that they can be proud of. You know, it's like, <laughs> of course they have like Loyola and that's great for basketball. Basketball. But, you know, I've never heard of them having a football team. You know what I mean? Right. They have Illinois, but they're usually not that good at football. No, never mind. It wasn't Illinois. Um, It was... Southern is it Southern Illinois University? Oh, which one? The Salukis. Um, it's a it's a smaller team, but Brandon Jacobs from the Giants was okay. from there. That's Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of. I'm pretty sure we had players even back then. You know, during our eras where we were kind of a smaller name, and just because you go to a smaller name school doesn't mean you can't ball. Yeah, I mean UCF has made a living off of transfers, especially the last couple of years. But even back in the day, we got some pretty big names because what happens is they don't get playing time at the Alabamas, the Oklahomas. They transfer us, have a great career, and still go pro. And so no harm, no foul there. Correct, and especially since sure, yes, they do play for the team, and you know they love the fans if they do well. But overall, this is their life, and this was just a stepping stone to it. 
But of course, mm-hmm. a lot of people do come back to give back to the program, especially. Yeah, I think you're seeing that more hypo that it kind of went away, but you're seeing Gus. I mean, actually, it's funny. Uh, Rashad Kazi, who's uh, it was a DB. Oh, first. I totally remember him. Yeah, he's actually my neighbor. Lives like five doors down. Oh no way. Yeah, so I had him on my podcast. I see him all the time when I'm walking my dog. Um, he went up for the uh, Louisville game a couple weeks ago, and Gus is doing a really good job inviting ex UCF players out, and they're getting part of the program again. Where hypo, I don't think connected like that. So I think you're seeing a lot of support from former players, and I. That's what you want to see. Is that important to a football program? It's because I've never seen that as part of that. But then, like you said, you know, Hypo really didn't do anything like that. I think it is. You want the players to feel welcome. First of all, they can be kind of be a recruiting tool for us. I mean, not that they're going to go out and recruit, but they're brand ambassadors for us at this point. That's how I look at them. So to make them feel comfortable and make them feel welcome, I think is very, very important. And when you have NFL guys, like I saw Gabe Davis, he might have been at the first game or something like that. that. That's just great to see. I mean, now they're obviously well known. They're nationally known now that they're, you know, professional football players. So when you can have them and their pictures on on the wall of UCF and they're coming back and still supporting their alumni I think that's super important I love that too and it just goes to show you that hey it wasn't just here to play ball you know it's actually I've come to learn to love the school exactly like we do I mean that's my thing I mean I love UCF football but I love UCF I mean I met my wife there some of my best friends in the world went there I just the memories I have the experience it was it's obviously not all about the football so uh just I owe a lot to UCF and I'll always be an ambassador for them same here or at least you know I'm trying to get to your level because (laughs) you're kind of like one of my epitomes of UCF fandom you and Sean Barakat yeah UCF problems yeah, yeah he does a good job he's funny I mean I guess he's a little bit more comedy in his stuff bravado bravado yeah I'm more a little bit more serious and a little bit more um level-headed not to say that he's not I just like I'm I'm, I'm more focused on analysis and numbers and just the history of UCF and things like that so where did your love and uh, passion for football not scouting but you know reporting where did that all start yeah it's a great question you know I didn't like college football. I actually disliked college football until the second I stepped onto UCF campus 07. I don't know, it was that first game and then I immediately fell in love with college football. It's been my favorite sport since. Uh, the main sport I look forward to. But then, yeah, the passion for the football team really came that day one. I was like, you could look at a pro team. I'm a Heath fan, a Dolphin fan, but you didn't go there, right? I went to UCF. I put money there, blood, sweat, tears, right? Uh, to say that Especially you, tears. Exactly. <laughs> to say that you went there to me is so special. There's nothing like rooting for a place that you literally have a true connection to outside of just the city. Okay, I'm, f- I'm from South Florida, so I like the Dolphins. This is a true connection. As far as the reporting, you know, I was a journalism major at UCF, so I was the sports editor of nightnews.com, so I got to cover the team. Oh, you edited Night News, I see. Yeah, I, was, I did. I was a sports <laughs> editor for a couple years, um, so I covered the team. I had a, had a press pass, and I've always just enjoyed writing. So Damn, that's so cool. Cool. So you probably get to hear all the clacks of every single hit being made. Yeah, that was cool. I, I I still got to also enjoy games as a fan. I would pick and choose because I still wanted to tailgate and have fun and everything. Understandable. But yeah, the reporting thing came naturally because I'm a, I'm a writer at heart. And now I have a marketing company. So social media is obviously second nature to me. So when you combine the writing with the Instagram and my passion for UCF, it was a home run. I mean, yeah. And that's when you came up with UCF football updates. Yep. So yep. when did you decide that, you know what, I'm going to make a page for this and uh, you know we're going to see where it goes? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, in 2016, when I started, Instagram was you know pretty big, not as big as it was now. I started following this one account. It's funny. The name was Miami Heat Updates. And he had like 100,000 followers. And I was like, I felt like Twitter was the easy one to just be like, quick, 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 rapid updates. But I wanted something a little bit more insightful. And I was, I, I always had wanted to do it. I just wasn't sure what platform. Then I will tell you, I was, before I started my company, I was working at a place called Breakthrough Beverage. I was sitting in my office. It was like a Monday morning at like 10 a.m. I was like, I'm just going to do this. And I'm just going to start literally right now. It, and I, I was like, UCF football updates. I think that's simple. It's easy to remember. And like my first three posts was like talking about like Scott Frost because it was before his first season, some uh, recruit that had just uh, decommitted and something else. And it just kind of slowly but surely it grew. Uh, you know, I did a couple strategies and then then everything after that has been um, just, I mean, the whole thing's been organic, uh, but I think just it just started to build a lot easier. Yeah, I forgot when I followed you, but I just saw you in my updates or in my explore page a bunch of times. And next thing you know, I was like, you know what? I really do enjoy this. So then after a game, I'd be like, okay, when is the UCF football update going <laughs> to be up? And then and then as soon as it came up, I immediately just digested everything. And like, just how you go into detail about the defense did fantastic. The offense could have done better, but you know, if they didn't 
make this one play or if they did commit fully then of course it would have been a different outcome so i just always found that fascinating because you know when i watch a football game i basically see not highlights per se but i see the hits i see the touchdowns yeah watch the ball correct that's exactly it whereas you kind of look at every player like individually on the field at the same time as the play is going on i feel like there is just so much going on and i really respect the fact that you can analyze every single player to the point where you can give such a detailed report it just sounds like a robot watched the game and just somehow came up with an entire right. like encyclopedia so you know kudos to you man yeah no i appreciate it i, I mean it, just, it, it all I, mean, I get a lot of people that message me like how'd you do this how'd you start it's it really just i mean as corny as it sounds it comes down to the passion for loving ucf football and also enjoying the sport itself but um just being able to do that and just my knowledge i think people see that and it, it's all organic i mean everything that i do is because i love ucf football so for me if i had two followers i'd probably still do this <laughs> but it's nice to be able to talk to other fans you now have more like two thousand times four yeah up to about uh, 8500 always a lot more during the season i think but yeah between that and i started a youtube a tiktok the Substack, twitter but yeah instagram's always kind of been the bread and butter and i appreciate every follow that i get and i enjoy everyone's feedback that they give me i get i enjoy all the dms i try to answer everything it takes up a pretty large part of my week doing this but it's all it's all for fun and i enjoy it does your wife join you in the writing no she's uh, you know she's been really supportive of the page for sure and she loves ucf and we, we have season tickets together we were at the fau game last week and you two um, met at ucf if i'm correct we did yeah we met at ucf uh junior year adorable <laughs> freaking adorable well you know that's farther than i've got i've been single all my life so <laughs> hey you never know when the next uh, when it's gonna happen exactly who knows it might be some random ucf alumni like an alumni event or- i'll tell you ucf that is a, a powerful connection to have. You, know, you speak about loving UCF and why I started this account, whether it's for a job, for networking, or attracting potential love interests. That's a powerful thing to have, and it's a, a great talking point. Actually, I use that as one of my talking points for an interview for an internship because I noticed that the guy in his office had a UCF football home, and I was like, you a huge fan of UCF football? And he's like, absolutely. And then immediately we started talking about football, and then the next day I found I got the internship. It's, it's an immediate connection. I mean, you could, go, you, could, you could hear that, that, oh, I'm a big fan. Okay, that could start off a three-hour conversation right there. Easily, especially like, you know, you just go over that season, but then you're like, oh, do you remember Milton? I graduated the year that we went undefeated to the Peach Bowl, and so one of my last fall semester i remember me and my fraternity brothers we were in nicholson actually you know where your yeah. where your major is centralized and so we had a projector on with all the bowl games and so we were just waiting and then as soon as it dropped an email came to all of us talking about camping out for tickets and whatnot oh wow because i didn't have as much of a, cl- a workload i kind of was able to go home a little early because most of my classes weren't really for studying it was more like we had to do a project and i was already like in the mm-hmm. middle of it so as i go home you know it's about 4 30 in the evening and so i'm like okay let's see how long the line is and then there was one kid sitting by the ticket booth i'm like you bastard <laughs> and so i forgot what i was doing but then i went at like 8.30 and I was thinking oh my god the line's gonna be so long but somehow I managed to get into the front part of it because so you went to the game oh absolutely 100% one of the best experiences UCF related experience I've ever had easily easily let's put it this way that's when I first got a Fitbit so besides walking around the city with one of my really close friends my Fitbit said I'd burned like between 5,000 and 6,000 calories and I'm like what the hell just happened and I realized my heart rate due to the anxiety my oh, heart god. rate was up the entire time so it's like I was working out while sitting down it was a close game it was and because you know everyone's thinking oh Auburn's gonna smoke UCF but it's like no we got some pretty good talent on there we sure did that year had some of, one of the most talented teams we've ever had and that that game was first of all UCF showing up the fan base was amazing I think we probably had more fans in Auburn there and we really showed out and God, that game was memorable. I'll never forget that game. And then especially after we won, just seeing Milton and Shaquem Griffin just hold up that trophy. That undefeated feeling, yeah, just beating an SEC school, everything vindicated. It was a really cool feeling. And then that's when Danny White was like, 2017, national champs. Something that will forever live in infamy in UCF history, but... I loved it from a marketing perspective, and I think it was a smart move, and uh, I think it ultimately started the train that got Cincinnati into the playoffs. We were so loud about it that I felt the committee felt they could not leave out a group of five school again if they were to basically replicate what UCF did. Congrats. So, Cincinnati, you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. You lost, but hey, you know what? You made it to the the playoff. Yeah, congratulations. You get that a title, even though it should have been us easily. It should have been. We should have been. I I truly believe in 2017, if we were in the playoff, I, I do feel that we could have possibly made it to the national championship because first of all, Alabama wasn't, that was one of their weakest national championship teams they ever had. But I, I just felt there was just a special connection between the team 
And ultimately, I think we could have beat anyone that year. I really do believe that. Absolutely. And then, of course, we can't finish talking about UCF football without talking about two of the most prolific players, the Twins, the, the Griffin Twins. Yeah. The, oh, man, they're, they're iconic. I mean, Shaquille, obviously, still in the NFL with the Jaguars right now. He had a great UCF career. But Shaquem is probably, possibly the most iconic player in UCF history, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Um, what he did, uh, his performance, his story, it's just unbelievable um that that year he had was unbelievable i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about him i mean even if he is retired he played in the nfl and he's not going to go anywhere he's definitely going to be like a motivational speaker of some sort he'll be successful oh easily and that's all we wish for him because them two despite the fact that they're from tampa they are two of orlando's uh, most known sons they are and, and and their connection to each other is cool the fact that they played on the seattle seahawks together as brothers as pros is really cool the average career actually nfl career is only two and a half years and shakeem made it three years so he he made it over the average with one hand. I actually um, went to that Disney parade at the, the oh, yeah. 2017 uh, National. He was up at the top, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, there's a video clip of one of the news reports of me taking a selfie with my camera with Milton. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just at random. And then I got a really good shot of Shaquem. I called him over. I pointed my camera at him and he just flexed. <laughs> and it's one of my most iconic photos to this day. Yeah, I think because we had that iconic year and the year after, you said it was a fan bias why we're so boisterous and louder and I think we're just all striving to get back to that feeling it's a feeling that 1718 brought us so many good memories that every year since then it's just been a letdown and I always say don't ever expect to go undefeated now and I truly don't but I want to get back to that feeling of playing big games again and that just that getting back to that feeling it doesn't have to be undefeated but just that 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 national presence we had everything was just so special and I think we've been chasing it ever since I would say so I mean the year afterwards was very when oh, very 18 well was great too yeah. yeah except the whole uh Fiesta Bowl then but then even at that point, it was our backup quarterback, and we only lost by a touchdown with extra points. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, but even, I include 18 with this. I mean, I'm saying even getting back to 18 would be great. Winning the conference championship, getting to an NY6 bowl, even if we lose, I just want to get back to that, because the last three years, we haven't even sniffed a conference title or a uh, New York 6 bowl, you know? Correct. I mean, of course, the Gasparilla Bowl is great, because, you know, everybody... UF. Well, that too, but, you know, it's also in close proximity to Orlando, to, sure. and it's not just, it's not a huge schlep for uh, most people who still reside in Florida. But yeah, my stepbrother went to UF, so um, I was very happy about that when in the Gasparilla Bowl. You know, despite UF's record that year, you know, I think they finished six and seven after losing us. That that's definitely one of the best wins in UCF history. Beating UF for the first time historically, they've been the best team in the state. I mean, that was a big win, no matter way we slice it. Yeah, UF was forever. Well, you know, for the most part, the most dominant team. Of course, FSU had those and Miami, of course. Yeah, the, I forgot what year it was when it seemed like every NFL starter was on the Miami team. It was yeah, the one Hurricanes. I, the, I I say this. I was talking to someone the other day. I think that's that's the best college football team in the history of college football. One, no doubt, unbelievable. I mean, I guess all I should have said maybe UF maybe UF isn't the, the the best, but they're in the top three there. With you know historically, I think, and also UF has I think the more recent success. You know, they've had two championships in 06 and 08, and you know they've had a pretty iconic run there too. But uh, yeah, the, all three schools have had their moments. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting ours. Yeah, we're finally in the Big Four. We're officially a Power Five program. And over the last five years, I don't think there's any question we've had the most success out of all the schools. I mean, you know, easy, even if the strength of schedule wasn't the best. Yeah. We beat Auburn. We won a Peach Bowl. Uh, we've been, we were top 10 a couple times. I mean, you can't really say that, that much about FSU, Miami, UF over the past. I mean, UF had a couple years there where they were, they made the SEC title game, obviously. But in general, Florida State, Miami, they've been pretty down. UF's down right now. Uh, I mean, I know they're two and one, but they barely almost just lost to USF. Exactly. Florida State's looking good, though. They are. And see that game, UF, UF versus USF, I'm like, I don't know who I dislike more. I know. I was kind of rooting for USF to knock off UF because it would have just been hysterical. Correct. You know, you lost to the Bulls peed. Yeah, Bulls peed ahead and, uh, you know, they're probably the worst team in the state right now. Even though that their talent is piss poor, it's like at that point... Yeah, we would want them to win only that one time. Yeah, knock off UF. It'd be funny. I'm going to kind of miss the war on I-4. You know, I, I've said this, and I got a little little backlash on my page when I said, I think we should absolutely keep the rivalry so we can have them as a non-conference game, make it annual. There's plenty of schools that do this. UFFSU as an example. Uh, a lot of people said, no, leave them behind. Leave them behind. No, I, I think USF is our only true rival mm-hmm. in terms of passion, hatred. It's got a name. It's got a specific day. It's during rivalry weekend. It's a real hatred. The fact is, 
that's we can't manufacture that. And I don't see how any team in the Big 12, at least for the foreseeable future, can be a true rival. So was, I, I'd like to keep them as a rival. Actually, now that you mention it, out of every team that's going or staying in the Big 12, who do you think would want to have beef with us? It's got to be Cincinnati, in my opinion. We have a at least a decent smaller history with them now. Just naturally, the problem is Big 12, there's proximity-wise, there's no one really that close uh, distance-wise. If it's not Cincinnati, it's got to be Houston just because out of those two, those schools we played the most. Whereas I looked this up the other day, I think there's maybe three schools in the current Big 12 that we've ever even played ever in the history. So uh, I may be BYU because we've played them a couple times, but in my opinion, Cincinnati is the clear-cut favorite for that. Okay, well, you know, since he bring it. We yeah, bring it. We got to beat them, though. We haven't beaten them in three years. Oh, yeah. This is the year. This is the year. This is our year, baby. We're just like Dallas Cowboys fans. This is our year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Alan, um, I could talk UCF football all night, but we got jobs tomorrow. So because the questions didn't transfer over from my computer, I'm re-saying this part, but um, we are now entering into the bonus question round, my favorite part of any big DK Energy episode. Ten questions you do not know about, but you still be hired afterwards. So, awesome. Mr. Levin, you're ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Excellent. So, question number one. So this is going to be kind of a long one, but it is the Knights have been chosen to battle against a space alien football team, and you've been selected to choose the team that plays them. Assuming everyone is a UCF player and in their prime, if they played in the past, choose the offense, defense, special teams, and coach. Are you talking like every single position or so I would name the player, the whole roster? Okay. All right. I like it. All right. So I'm going to go quarterback, uh, especially against a space and team. I think you need to be pretty smart and, you know, know how to wiggle out of things. I'm going to go McKenzie there. We would do what? Maybe two running backs. I'm thinking like a fantasy style team kind of. Okay. Uh, I I think we need at least one big back. So I'm going to go Latavius Murray for one of our running backs. He's got the size. He's got the speed. But then I want someone like small and shifty just in case. I'm going to go Adrian Killens as our, as our kind of our RB2 there. Legend. Wide receiver, I, I think right off the bat, I got to go Traquan Smith and Gabe Davis as two of the three because they got the size, they got the speed. And I just think, you know, you want someone tall like they, they both are. And uh, I think uh, third, I'm going to go Dredrick Snelson. He was fantastic. He was great. Um, I, I like what he can do. Offensive line, I think we just need the biggest guys possible. Who comes to head, comes to mind, uh, Chris Martin. He was on the 2013 um, offensive line. Probably that whole 2013 Wait, line. the singer for Coldplay? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the, the McCray brothers, Justin and Jordan. Justin's uh, and the Texans right now. Um, those three. Uh, who would I do it? You know what? Center, I might put uh, Jordan Johnson. Okay. Uh, yeah. Very good choice. Uh, smart guy. Um, I like him. So that's probably four out of the great. five role model as well yeah uh so we have a tight end i think pretty easier jordan akins at tight end so that would that would probably be our offense i think i covered everyone there Excellent. right yeah <laughs> yeah and then did. defense let's see um let's start with the defensive line i think terrence Plummer, 100 percent. well he's a linebacker so i'd have him at, him at one of the linebacker spots i would have trayma morris brash as okay. a defensive end i like him for the tackles man it's hard to think on the spot. I'd have to kind of look. Shaquem Griffin out of the other linebacker spot. Got to. Uh, so defensive tackle. I said end. I said Traymon. Oh, Bruce Miller. One of the best defensive players in, in UCF history. I got to come back to the tackles. Then to the secondary. Would you put Tristan Hill in there? Yeah, you know what? There you go. I would put Tristan Hill. I like, yeah, he's an NFL player now. He was really good for us. I remember he had to get double teamed a lot. So maybe against an alien squad, you might want that. <laughs> um, then secondary. Oh, there's so many good choices because we've had, I mean, secondary historically is our best position mm-hmm. um so we have so many pros i mean I, I think one no question josh robinson easy is, is one of our uh, best cornerbacks of all time and honestly jacoby glenn he was actually one of our last all-american players i remember uh, him. yeah it was he was fantastic he went to the pros a little bit too early but he went back-to-back all-american seasons for ucf then safeties i feel like I, I can't have this list without mike hughes on there so maybe he, i can move him to safety the most one of the most iconic I, uh war on i4 plays exactly the other safety i'd probably do is uh kamal ishmael he was he was really good for us he was on the falcons for a number of years and he was a great ball hawk i really liked him i was about um, to say um asante samuel oh asante samuel. see the problem is i never saw him play for ucf so okay. it's hard for me i have to think of guys that i watched so that's how i kind of look at this okay fair that's a totally fair statement. And then um, for, for special teams. Yeah, oh. kicker, easy Matthew Wright. I mean, he I saw some good kickers. He was the best one we've ever had. He has the most points, actually, in UCF history. Um, got to go him. Punter, got to go Mac Lattermill. We, we talked about him. So, yeah. And then maybe for doing long snapper, uh, Charlie Hewlett. My wife is friends with his wife, and he's on the Browns now, and he was really good for us for a number of years. Nice. And then who's the coach? I've been thinking about that. You know, part of me wants to say O'Leary. I don't know why. I just feel like he's the type of guy that you'd want to go up against a 
big, scary team. But I'm thinking like tactician. I got to think Scott Frost. Tactically, I, I'd like him to be kind of our coach. Okay, especially since he knew how to like, you know, run the system with Milton. It's the system. Yeah, that's more what I'm thinking. The system more so than the coach itself. Well, that was a, I love that answer. And all those players, it just brings me back, especially like uh, Jacoby Glenn. I remember he was playing, or at least he was in the tenure of the 2013 squad. I remember. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Number two. You've been selected to pick a team that UCF will face that they have never faced before. Who are the Knights playing, and is the game a home or away game? There's a lot of schools that I, I've wanted to face, uh, just like kind of like some of these iconic programs. I mean, we faced some good ones. We faced Michigan before. We faced Alabama before. And yeah, we won against Alabama, too. We did. Yeah, we did. We've played Ohio State. We've never played Oklahoma, which is a possibility now with its last couple years in the Big 12 before they go to the SEC. I think that would be <laughs> really cool. Uh, you know, it, if the time frame matters, if we're talking about just any time, Time, I would probably say a different answer, but if we're talking like next year, Oklahoma, because if Dylan Gabriel's still on the team, that's going to be a pretty cool I was going to say, Dylan, you know, revenge against Dylan Gabriel team. Yeah, but I think for history purposes, I think it'd be really cool to, I, we never really played too many West Coast teams. I think it'd be actually really cool to play USC. I want to say home because it's Night Nation at home, but I think playing at USC's stadium would be pretty historic too. So uh, I'll go USC, but I'll say at home just because we have to have Night Nation there. We got to have the bounce house in that kind of moment. So yeah. I'm all for it. Number three, name the top five games you've been to. Oh, that's that's a great question. I'll say number one uh, by far is the Auburn game. It just it was amazing. I was there in person. Just that pick six that oh gave us the lead. That was God. one of the most I've ever. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps literally right now. So, know, so am I. And it's just that feeling. I don't think there's any better feeling than a pick six touchdown in a major bowl. I think it's more exciting than a, t- a long touchdown run. I really do. It's just, it, ch- it just changes the complexion of the game. It was Shaquan Burkett, right? It was Shaquan Burkett. By far number one game. Number two, the UCF-USF game 2017. That arguably was a better game than the Auburn game. It just, the Auburn game was more iconic. I mean, they're both amazing games, but that was number two. That Mike Hughes return was just another goosebump moment. I mean, and that's also our main rival who was really good at that year. Exactly. To, to, to beat USF in that fashion. And actually, most people probably maybe do remember this, but that that was really the only time UCF and USF have ever faced good at the same time. Never. It's either been one's been really bad or the other has been good. It's never at the same time. So that's probably two. That was a shootout. That was a shootout. Number three, uh, actually, I went to the UCF Memphis game in Memphis, the rain game where McKenzie had that flip over the top touchdown. Oh, yeah, that's 31, right. 31 to 30. That was an excellent game. Um, great comeback. We were down at halftime, and that was when we were in the midst of our winning streak. So I, I thought it was over in that game. And then for <laughs> us, Taj McGowan had this 60 yard toucher on a fourth and one hypo went for it really good play and then McKenzie had that touchdown so that was probably number three number four and five hmm, I've been to so many games over the years honestly that I know it was a loss but the Texas game that was probably number four it was just the hype the energy was just unbelievable in that game and it, it was where it all started for you exactly it's where it all started for me and so it was an iconic game and let's see number five was actually the, our first ever ranked win we beat Houston. Houston was number 15. We were in conference USA together. It was our first sort of ranked win, and it was a really exciting win. And we tried to actually rush the field, but if you've been to UCF Stadium, it's like a six-foot drop, <laughs> yeah. so no one could do it. So that was probably my top five. I, may, I might be missing one in there, but those first three, hands down, 100%. For the last game against Houston, was that when Case Keenum was on the team? I, yes, I think it was. It was yep, it was Case Keenum on the team, and that was our first ranked win, so it was a big moment. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Actually, I knew a guy who transferred from Minnesota who played at Houston during his final years and now he's actually on the Texans. Oh yeah? Yeah. That's so, awesome. Number four, what is your dream vacation and itinerary for that vacation? My wife and I had a trip planned to Italy uh, in the summer of 2020. As you know, a big global pandemic hit. Of course. Trip got canceled and ended up just uh, Napa Valley instead a, a year or two later. That's still pretty awesome. It was awesome. But yeah, I would say the Italy trip is, uh, and we want to go to obviously Tuscany, Venice, uh, Florence. There's like the su- south part of Italy too that's really gorgeous that we want to see and we're, we're big uh wine drinkers so uh <laughs> italy is a great spot for that so i think that or tokyo i've always wanted to go to japan really oh, bad. nice so those are my top two trips excellent yeah i've actually never been to japan i lived in korea for six months though oh that's cool yeah, i've never been to asia so i'd like okay. to go okay yeah it's definitely i would highly recommend it if you're ever in japan or korea go for their street food it's amazing oh yeah yeah oh yeah Korean but, uh, tacos or something like that they probably have tacos over there but they really like their eggs that's just a heads up number five what are your Top five least favorite FBS teams and why? Uh, USF's number one. Uh, it's not even a question. Uh, that's the only true rivalry we have, and I hate them, as, as any good UCF fan should, right? 
Number two, uh, I'm really starting to dislike Cincinnati because they're just, yeah, I got it horns down, right? Horns down. Uh, just their, their fans talked a lot of crap and I'm just starting to get sick of it. Plus they beat us three years in a row. Three, uh, I would say, you know, I'm starting not to like Louisville a lot. <laughs> you know, they're, they're kind of, I might have to put them in my top five. I want to say Memphis just because we have a true, kind of almost a true rival with them and their fans are pretty nice, but they're, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those things like you look forward to that game every single year. It gives me anxiety every single year. Right. Um, and then let's see, I got to think of a good one for five. I'm kind of leaning towards BYU because they've been, they've had some asshole fans on Twitter and some guys like that. Um, but you know what? Oh, wait, I'm, I'm forgetting in-state teams. Hold on. How about we'll just say the combination of Florida, Florida State, and Miami. Miami, number one, Florida, number two, then Florida State, number three. My brother and my brother all went to Florida State, so I have a little bit of a soft spot for them. But Fair enough. Miami, number one, because none of their fans actually went there and they talk so much smack. You know, it's honestly USF, the Florida schools, and then maybe some of the other ones I mentioned. I appreciate that more. And you're right. It's like, I've always hated UF. I mean, I love my stepbrother, but I hate UF. So yeah. it's like, I don't mind FSU because it's like the enemy. My enemy is my friend. Right. Exactly. FSU, you've been given a pass. And plus you treated Mackenzie Milton well. Exactly. And we've had now Tatum Bethune's there. And yeah, so we've had some okay things with them. So that being said, number six. If you could create a major, assuming that it would be considered relevant in the real world, what would it be? You know, my thing was when I was in school, I couldn't really find a major that I was like super passionate about. I wish there was something in sports. You know, I know there's sports science, sports journalism. Maybe it's, you know, sports podcasting or, or, or sports social media, something like that, because that's a real passion of mine. And I, I think that would be really cool to, to learn all that. And you can make money doing it, right? So I think, yeah, maybe sports podcasting. My question was geared, you know, for being relevant in general, but that's relevant, you know, now. Exactly. And it doesn't exist. And, you know, I know there's like media stuff, but I think that would be really cool or, uh, yeah, just something in sports. Number seven. Assuming you won't gain any weight from eating this, what is your favorite food that you will eat into the end of days? Oh man, I'm a, you know, I, I always say my uh, kind of th- my two favorite foods are uh, tacos and sushi. If I had to choose one, I would probably just keep eating tacos. I mean, I, I could do tacos seven days a week and I love pizza, but I'm lactose intolerant. So tacos, I can at least, you know, do that. You don't have to get cheese on them or sour cream. So I, I love tacos. Mahi tacos, steak tacos. Um, see, that's the thing. Like tacos aren't even that unhealthy. They're not. I guess, yeah, if I had to go unhealthy, I'd, I'd probably say pizza. Maybe I can get those, uh, that alien team to take away my lactose intolerance <laughs> or something. Number eight. You're sitting front row at a UFC main card event. Assuming anyone, not just legit fighters, are fighting, who would you want to see battling each other? And who are the three color commentators? You know, I feel like there's like this tinge of hatred between like someone like Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. They always seem like there's something there. (laughs) Even though they were on the same team, it's just like... Yeah, you know it'd be funny if, if they were the same size. Would be uh, LeBron and Dan Gilbert, the former the Cavs owner. Oh my just god! Because he, he, I remember that 2016 championship parade. The way LeBron looked at him, it was just so clearly that he hated him. Something like that. I mean, it wouldn't be a fair fight, but something like that. But something just very peculiar like that. I think would be funny. And then I think Joe Rogan's got to be one of the color commentators. Do you have two other color commentators? Oh, color one? commentators. It would be funny actually to hear Trump be a commentator because okay. he's he's very boisterous and he just says a lot of out there stuff so to him to, to to talk about that would be really funny and then maybe third jerry the king lawler who used to do the wwe or the other guy the, the one with the cowboy hat both of them were good i think jerry the king lawler was his name though yeah okay number nine based on all of our quarterbacks create your perfect ucf quarterback oh that's that's a great question size wise blake bortles i i think he just had the most natural size that's why he was drafted number three overall in the draft i think athletically in his prime dante culpepper and just in terms of legs his just ability to escape elusiveness all that stuff i would probably use uh mckenzie's mind i like just the decisions that he made and also i think dante athletically but mckenzie's elusiveness like he just kind of had like these moves that were just like you know, just the, the, the juking ability, I, I should, uh, I, I guess you could call it. And his mind as well. You're talking about obviously past UCF quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would say like arm strength, I think kind of DG. I mean, his down, his long ball was just, it was pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I like, I liked his arm strength. I liked his long ball, his accuracy. Um, so probably those four. UCF hasn't had a ton of great quarterbacks, so it's kind of you have to go with those four almost. Fair enough. Okay, but I like the combination that you came up with because I could see that like prototypical quarterback just absolutely dominating whatever game that we're playing. Exactly. That's like the best of all worlds. Yeah, you're getting the size of Bortles. You're getting great arm strength. You're getting great speed. You're getting great athleticism. You're getting great accuracy. 
would be in, in a great uh, mind in, in McKenzie. So, and I, and probably McKenzie, if you're going to count uh, just a veteran or leadership, his leadership too, I would, I would go with. Oh yeah. He had the locker room on lock. Well, locker room on. Yeah. Yeah. That did. makes sense. He a, yeah, he did. Okay. And we're having such a fun time that we're actually at the last question. Okay. And it's a question that I ask everybody, but the answer is always very. And that is, what is your best, most recent accomplishment? Hmm. That's a, that's a, a very good question. I would say starting to scale my my company, hiring. I you know I was able to hire my first employee and then a second employee all within like the last six months to a year. Awesome. Tough. Thank you. So yeah, scaling. I mean, I still have a long way to go. It's a work in progress. But in general, one of my biggest accomplishments just starting a company working for myself. But yeah, starting to scale it has been a, a recent big accomplishment. And I and I can't also not say having my first child. So my oh, wife and I... Mazel tov on yeah, that as well. Thank you. Had our, our son, our first kid. So that's a pretty big accomplishment, big life milestone. What's his name? Caden. Very nice. So he's, you know, he's 15 months now. So not like yesterday, but uh, recent enough to... And it's a big, obviously a big change in my life, big part of the life. I can't wait to see him become as big of a UCF fan as you are. He will. And he's already been to two games. He actually has been on a row game. He went to the SMU game in Dallas last year. Oh, wow. Uh, with, with, we went with John Nicole. Oh, uh, nice. You know. And then... What's up, John? What's up, Nicole? Yeah, exactly. And then he went to the USF game last year at home when we... Uh, that narrow win, but we won. So he's been to two pretty good games so far. Holy crap. He's been to more games than most of Greek life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At least he made it to the games. He know. made it to the game. He got through the tailgate, drank some milk, and then and then he went over to the game. Hopefully, it wasn't spiked. Yeah, no, no spikes yet. Son, did, were you drinking? No. <laughs> yeah. What do you? What the fuck you mean, pussy? Yeah, right. He'll have plenty of time for that, and uh, when he hopefully goes to UCF one day. That's the goal, or at least never to USF. Yeah, no, uh, how, I, I'm not gonna pay for it. I was gonna say, how, how would you feel if he's like, Dad, USF has a really great program. I'm going to be like, well, hopefully at that time, maybe their, their football program just doesn't exist anymore because it's been so bad they just disband it. I would appreciate that. So there's like nothing to hate left. Exactly. Although it would kind of be like, oh, we're just not there anymore. So yeah. it's like, what do we have to hate left? Yeah, what well, are we going to make fun of? Well, now we got more teams, better teams to make fun of. That's true. So with that all being said, Alan, this is definitely one of my most fun podcasts that I have ever had on the show because this is something that I love to talk about and I'm talking about it with one of the most storied experts in the UCF football realm. So it was a real honor having you on the show today, man. Hey, I appreciate that. I mean, it was an honor to be on the show. really enjoyed the conversation. I'm happy to come on uh, whenever you're willing to have me. You know, it's funny because um, I'm actually attempting to do a podcast during a tailgate. And so, oh, hell yeah. And so I have three of the mics occupied. If you if you want to meet us and be our fourth, you're more than welcome. Oh, I'm in. That would be a lot of fun to preview the game and just tailgate. And <laughs> That's right. We're just sitting white claws. <laughs> we're, that and we're just sitting in the launch where everyone else is just being rowdy. But um, love it absolutely. And so, Alan, for dedicating so much time to the UCF football fan base, to writing such in depth analysis reports that definitely educate people who are not as knowledgeable of the game, you're definitely one of the people who are converting people into real fans. And so, for all of those reasons and more, that's why I think. You, Alan Levin, have big DK energy. I'm honored to be DK energy, and yeah, I, I appreciate all that. That's that's really kind. Thank you, man. Of course, and so we're definitely gonna put all of his links, especially the Instagram and the blog site. What's it called? Uh, Substack. Substack. We're gonna put all those links in the description box below. And before we head out, Alan, is there anything else you want to promote? Just yeah, follow me on Instagram. Subscribe to my Substack, and yeah, these shirts. Uh, these are a, kind of a brand partner I have. Um, they're they're really cool. They're called the Fan Stop, and they have a monthly T-shirt of the month subscription all UCF shirts. You get a new shirt every single month, unique designs. They have a partnership with the NCAA, so it's all officially licensed. And they also have uh, hoodies and long sleeves. And if you use my code UCFFAN15, you get 15% off in your first three months. So well, shameless I'm, plug. <laughs> oh, well, I'm definitely doing that, Alan. So thank you so much. And if we have nothing else left to say, I'm Danny K, the Big DK Energy Podcast, and we are signing off. Go Knights. Charge on. Charge on.